0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to this strange, special joint edition of the South Dakota GFP podcast and blast. We uh, have a cool kind of tag team episode. We got together with the Pheasants Forever guys uh, while they were in the pier area for their rooster road trip where they go around uh, different states every year and hunt public ground and shoot upland birds and have a ton of fun uh cool episode pretty long about an hour and a half but uh had the guys from the rooster road trip there uh anthony Hauk and will morlock or matt morlock wills his dad that's that's how old i am uh and then we had uh gfp's own um tom kirschman and public lands and farm bill coordinator mark norton and myself we sat down, talked about a little bit of hunting, talked about uh, local South Dakota cuisine like Chislik and Kukin, and uh, had some laughs, but uh, learned some stuff too. So stick around and uh, hang on to your hats. Have a good hunting season,
1: everybody. I've been trying to fly, just
2: Just the yeah. We can just roll. Well, let's let's do that. Let's get started. There's, it's it's late at night for us right now. It's been a long long opening weekend, man. Um, and we're we we're gonna. I guess we'll just bullet it out here. We've got a uh, kind of a combo platter, like a, a turf and turf. We've got. A, um, <laughs> right so because we're all we're all on land here but we, right. so we're, we're doing a, a co-hosted podcast uh it's going to be pheasants forever's on the wing podcast D- and, and, and we're teaming up right. with
0: south dakota game fishing parks podcast and blast
2: yes right. so we're just coming together uh lo- a lot of reasons it's it's opening weekend in south dakota right. which it's called co- it's called the mount rushmore state but um yeah. i think it should just be the pheasant no, state we yes. looked that up i was shocked actually um but we can talk about that later. And so, with me, podcast producer Jake Schiller. Hey, Jake, he's he, He's in the room. He's tall, by the way. Yeah, he's <laughs> like nineteen feet tall. He's, he's the cattail he's, kid. He's,
0: he's, six, he's six four. He's, he's like
2: six four, but he's got the wingspan of a seven footer. Um, and then we also have Matt Matt Morlock, our Pheasants Forever state coordinator in South Dakota. Uh and then well Chris, I'll let you introduce your your uh your brood here. Chris Hall, communications specialist and
0: uh whipping boy, Tommy, would you say that? It's a good definition. Right. Tommy, uh Tom Kirschman, you used to be with Pheasants Forever I and was. now you are the
3: Wildlife your? Division Deputy Director and Chief of Wildlife. Man, that's a great title. That's it's a loaded title.
0: That's such line. a great title. And then we've got Mark Norton, and Mark Norton is our public lands coordinator, farm bill guru, right?
1: Yeah, honey access and farm bill
0: coordinator, right? And I think Mark's probably been trying to already hide a couple extra pheasants because he knows where they're all at. Exactly. <laughs>
2: yeah, we're we're gonna get to that. And then I suppose I don't I don't think I introduced myself. I'm Anthony Helk, uh semi semi regular co host Bob St Pierre's off this week. Thank he, God he, you left him. He, at home. Uh, he, he drew oh the short he drew the short straw. So he didn't get to go on the rooster road trip, and that's also why we're out here. You know, right. there's a lot of bullets to cover here, but we've got pheasant opening weekend in South Dakota. Uh, it's it's also hundredth season, right? Hundred right. hundredth yeah. season of pheasant hunting in South Dakota. I've heard seen the term pheasantennial used uh, semi frequently. Yeah, that's and not then noticed, yeah. and then yes, our, our rooster road trip uh, is kicking off, and so we've been. Um, we just got right after it. We we drove out for the opener and we've been hanging around Pier uh, and and the Grasslands and Kennebec and North of Pier and right East on. of Pier. We've been driving around having a good time and uh, so we can talk a little bit about um, our own opening weekend and then what you know what maybe you guys saw out in the field. That seems probably as good a place to start as yeah, any. Yeah,
0: I think so. It seems logical every year you should kick it off from South Dakota, shouldn't you?
2: Uh, I think so. We're sort of biased though. I mean, go well, it's, it's just fun right. to be out here. You know, it's like, um, air, I, I was. What I was doing was we, when we've been driving around is like looking for the vehicles with, with people who weren't wearing blaze orange. Right, those, and there's. Those. There's way more people wearing blaze orange, which is just, you think about like how the country is these days with like fewer, I mean, hunters make up less and less of a percentage of the population. And then you come here and it's like, well, that's not true. (laughs) Everybody here hunts, everybody's got blaze orange on and. You know, no matter where we went, right. the C-Store, we're, we're hanging at the Super 8. You go to Arby's, you're driving the back road, the residential street, everybody's right. got blaze orange. So that that's fun to see. That's what makes it fun to come out here. Yeah, um, You know, the, the the hunting, we saw a lot of birds. That's been good. Yeah. Um, mm you know there's a lot of standing crops it was hot the hunting's going to get better but just the atmosphere of being here that's that's really what i like the
0: the tradition is is and we we talk about it all the time it's like opening weekend is just kind of this okay you know it's it's coming it's kind of like christmas but then when everybody starts showing up and it's your friends and it's just like well how many birds do you shoot i don't even know like Mm. five or six and we had four guys and we missed some shots and we're all laughing, but it's the tradition. It's the pheasant poppers. It's the, you know, drinking beer on a tailgate after the hunt. It's man, that dog's another year older. I mean, that's, that's the really cool thing. And my dad just moved a fifth generation kid from Siston, South Dakota. And my dad just moved from Siston up to Northern Minnesota. And the first thing he did is called me on Saturday morning and he's just like, how are you guys doing? And I was like, (laughs) it's seven o'clock in the morning. We're not duck hunting dad, you know? And he's just like, yeah, but is everybody here? You know? I was like, yes, yes. Everybody's here except you, you know? So yeah, it's the tradition. It's the, it's the old friends, new friends, you know, the new kids that get to hunt, you know, the new puppy. I mean, and, and like I said, I mean, Dakota Martin pier might be one of the only places in the world, you know, the last four days people are coming in, with shotguns into the store and nobody <laughs> blinks an eye,
2: right? And that's 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 what it's all about. Well, the hardest thing to do though is to wait till noon yeah. to to start. So, do do we know why we wait till noon? Just exactly what? There's I hear the rumors going around like everybody has a story. Every yeah. everybody, I just. There's got to be a fact based, it's, it's or it's just the just the, the way it is, and that's just the way it is.
3: It's just the way it is. No, it's it's been around obviously for a long time. I would have to go back and look, but I think the noon start began in the late '40s or early yep. '50s, whatever it is. It's been and that long. It's yep. been a long time. Yeah, it's probably one of the one of the longest traditions within the big tradition of pheasant right. hunting in South Dakota and. There have been multiple reasons that we've heard. I don't know if there's one true given fact why it starts at noon. Um, One of the most common that we hear, though, is probably two. uh, It gives people the opportunity to go visit with folks and spend time on Main Street, Little Town, South Dakota. And, um, And then the other one that we often hear about from the landowner side is that one of the reasons why it started later was give landowners the time to get their chores, get their things done in the morning. They're not being bothered, and then the pheasant hunting can begin later on. So, right. well, those are a couple of reasons that we've heard throughout will, the history. I of will it.
2: say this though, even though uh, hey, maybe there's there's not as much just like mom and pop farming operations or whatever, there's still there's still a lot of farming activity going oh, on. Oh yeah. man, they're, they're 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 busting out here, and so those those crops are coming out. So. And we'll we call it that.
3: And understand a lot of those landowners are big time pheasant hunters yeah, right. also. And so for them to have opportunity to get some things done before they get to enjoy the hunt is a big part you of it. You
2: guys have sold me on that. That seems fair. That's yeah. that
0: that's it, right? That's, that's that seems
2: fair. I think
0: we well, can make that call. Yeah. That's what
2: it is. <laughs> well, speaking of you know, what what we what we hear and, and it makes sense to me is that, you know, you, <coughs> hey, you're traveling this you're traveling this far. It's good economically. Yeah, and right. we've seen these you know, we were doing it last night out at the steakhouse, mm-hmm. um, spending some money, people were having a good time, everybody was a hunter, we're we're talking about bird numbers. Putting money down, it's good, it's good for the state. Mm-hmm. But one thing I saw on the menu, I'm going somewhere with this, is they had chislick. Yeah. Okay. And so we had Pheasant Fest here, National Pheasant Fest. It's right. it's Pheasants Forever's like big signature convention. We had it in Sioux Falls earlier this year and they were serving Chisluck there. I've never heard of this stuff. And then like I Dude, come up o- where are you from? I know. And then I come up and then I come out here and then I come out here again and we're at um, somebody C- hit me with the cattleman's? steak no, Not the cattlemans Mad the other way. Mad Mary's. Mad Mary's right. Gr- great, great. Yeah, good I, I don't know if I can, you should be one or the other. Or they're both no. good, whatever. But it was great. Ex wife um, of the Cattleman's is Mad Mary's. That yeah, was part of the deal. Everybody says that. <laughs> no, that's the honest guy. Truth. <laughs> so I'm hoping to try the Cattleman before right. we leave, just so I, I don't leave, you know, right. somebody feeling yeah. bad. Yeah. Like they're, they're all in <laughs> Mad <laughs> right. Mary's corner or whatever. No. Um, but it was great. I had the prime rib. I highly recommend it. Um, they're not paying me anything to say that. But they had <laughs> Chislick there. Right. Right. And I'm like, what is chislic? Like,
0: what is it? I'm looking at Morlock going. Come on, it's and it's, I
2: well, I feel like I'm getting the same look as. Right?
0: Well, it's true, Chislic. Like sheep. growing up, true Chislic is sheep. It's mutton, okay, and it was the lesser cuts of the mutton, and well, not like any. You know, no offense to I, I raised sheep when I was a kid, but lamb is good, but mutton gets a little. Oof. So <laughs> it's just seriously <laughs> down in the southeast corner and up in in TK's corner of the world up in Eureka and insistent in, I mean, my family ran the meat locker. True chislic is sheep or rabbit is the mm. other one, but now Chislik has turned into a beef thing and it's just some of, maybe not the prime cuts of meat and they cut it up, we cube it up, you season it, you deep fat fry it, flash fry it really quick and it's spectacular. Alright, I'm going to give it a try. And, so, he, so here's the deal. Schomburg... In six months, I will bring Pheasant and I will
2: make you boys Pheasant chislic, and it is unbelievable. All right. Sha where we're where <coughs> Fe- National Pheasant Fest and Quilt Classic will be held. I will next, bring a twenty nineteen event. I will bring a cooler. You you bring whatever beer we're sponsored by <laughs> or not sponsored
0: by. <laughs> It'll, it, but that and that is one of those kind of traditional things. You know, you have these recipes like poppers or whatever with pheasant or whatever. But Chislik is a just a staple, and I've I've taken it all over the country with my job, and people are just like, "Why didn't we think of this?" And it's like, "Yeah, it's grease and salt and
2: pepper <laughs> and meat, right?" It's, but it's not
4: breaded, so it's healthy. Right, That's right.
2: Well, it's I went grouse hunting, you know, like a decade ago in, in the Upper Peninsula. Uh, and they have like pasties there right yeah and it was it's like the same type of deal i was like you know like that that off the farm comment like well what's a pasty and, and like the everybody, everybody just everybody's just in, looks, in, right? cr- incredulous you know it's like being turn- in
0: Nebraska and not knowing what a runza is and everybody <laughs> I don't I
2: have like, no idea what that oh, is man. You, i, I I don't. Yeah, they're fantastic, too. So
0: They're not <laughs> chisel-like, though.
2: Okay. Well, we got that out of the way. I, right. was, I was really curious. So.
0: <laughs> right. Kugan right. and uh, Tommy could probably make you one you, right now. You can't come out to
3: <laughs> South Dakota on the opening week and not have German food somewhere. Right. You just can't do that. You can't leave the state until you have German food somewhere. Right. We haven't so you're, had... Well, it's you're going to have to find some.
2: I'm, I'm assuming prime rib isn't German.
3: Not going to cut it. No. <laughs> no. You need to find some dumplings or spoodles or Nipple soup. soup or something, right. by gosh.
2: Well, we'll do. We got a couple more days to, here. You know, th- that's, uh, <coughs> we're uh, we're in pier for a couple more days, right. and then we're going to head to, you know, kind of like maybe north of Gettysburg, Eureka right, that's, type country. You've
0: got to stop and get a kook in there. You're at on the bakery. your way. Yeah? You have yeah. to. You're yep. well on your way? Now. Yep. Okay.
2: That's, I'll make a shopping you,
3: list for you. Right, you you ask Howard how good a good German home cooked meal is after a long day of pheasant hunting.
0: Where should they stop and get a kuchen if they get to Eureka? Is it the bakery? Is the bakery bakery's not
3: open anymore? There's two other places yeah, that make kuchen yeah, though. In the
0: store yeah, right. Yeah. Oh yeah. There you go. All you right. You got to get
2: one. We'll we'll do that. Well, that that's that's part of the experience. You know, that's right. That, that right. You know, coming out to the. Uh, I'm a small town guy, but I I. Um, I I live in a city of 2.5, 3 million people now, so right. you feel like you're getting back to your roots, this yeah. kind of stuff. Right. We we got where I'm from, which is near South Dakota border, but Madison, Minnesota, it's the Lutifus capital.
0: Mm-hmm. That's arguable, but yeah. Well- I, I've been to Madison, and yeah, but yeah. It's,
2: you know, there, there's sometimes you wish you could be known for something else. Right, yes. I yeah. It's like you're like, not the <laughs> pheasant capital, you're the lutefisk capital.
0: Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, the
2: smelly kitchen capital. Well, speaking of pheasant capital, you guys like let's let's talk hunting reports opening weekend. I mean, the numbers were up like statewide from the survey, forty seven percent. Some right. spots in eastern South Dakota like doubled, mm-hmm. which isn't is very encouraging. Um, you know, conditions were just, it's kind of, it's, that's just the story these days is there's a lot of crops in and the weather can be hot and dry and whatever. But what, uh, what was kind of the overall vibe after the opening weekend? I, I mean, you know,
0: from what I saw last night, I, I got a hold of all our regional manager, game managers. And the one thing that really surprised me was the guys from the Northeast saying, you know, two birds, a hunter in a lot of these counties. And it was just like you know, and that's where I'm from. And it was just like, wow, you know, what a rebound. Yeah. Um
3: and that's a big jump from the last couple of years right. in terms of success, especially on opening weekend for those folks. Yeah. And that's certainly what we saw from the surveys and seemed to hold true here on opening weekend. Right. Um, Mark,
0: were you hunting this weekend?
1: I did a little bit. I wasn't actually out during the noon after opener. I was grouse hunting on the grassland Saturday You're morning. So smart. And if they, you know, if they opened that season up before noon, I might have had a few roosters, but <laughs> had to let them go.
2: <laughs> uh, well, we'll take the grouse report too, because we were out there. We got licked pretty good on Saturday morning. We saw a few birds, but they were pretty cagey. And then we we turned our attention to, you know, the right. the, the, uh, the the ring necks. But give us give us the you know tell us how you hunt mid season grouse in the grassland. That's what I want to know.
1: Mid season grouse.
2: You just keep walking and walking yeah. and walking.
1: Grouse hunting, you, you find them where you find them. <laughs> there's there's no there's no secret to it. Uh, you just got to put in your time. Usually, actually, I only walked for an hour and a half Saturday morning, and I had a chance at my limit. So I actually saw more grouse this Saturday morning than I've seen earlier in the season grouse hunting. So
2: and maybe maybe we
1: bailed
0: too early. <laughs> but I gave Saint Pierre yeah. a tip on uh, the second weekend of grouse hunting season, and he went out in five minutes, shot a limit of prairie chickens, and then went out again the next day. Still didn't get a call on an invite. He came and watched my band play. Still didn't get an invite, so I'm really glad
2: he didn't bring him along. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> Well, r- rumor had it, it he was in South Dakota. He is, um, yeah, somewhere. I think out, you know, perhaps, Westington Springs. All right. He's, some t- other he's, some other he's a other terrible on human the map. being. But no,
0: you know, we saw one to two birds, uh, you know, I think out West, uh, it was a little bit of a surprise. It was like more 0. 0.5 to one, but a lot of hunters are kind of starting to hunt that West all the way, you know, even Custer County, which mm-hmm. I was just like, what, you know, Custer County and fall river, you know, and there's, there's some good stuff out there, but yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, even the places down in our Southeast corner where it's still pretty wet and there's all the crops are still in, but it's right. wet and even kind of hard to get around man hunters were saying wow we're seeing a lot more birds probably even more than what our brood counts were saying and they were at 1.5 two birds i mean they were yeah people are doing well and everybody's happy it's it's the opener
3: again when you look at the last couple of years not only the brood routes but what we heard today and yesterday is that again what we saw is numbers really had a nice jump in that central to east central way in the eastern side of the state and it held true and mm-hmm. guys are seeing birds and it's only going to get better yeah with all the crops standing there's no doubt late season will be a phenomenal
2: well the other the other thing i uh that i like to do when i'm out here this early in the season is i play like the old license plate game oh, yeah. you see how far people have yep. he how, how far people have traveled boom first morning we're out on the grasslands there's some guys texas right, right. sure mm-hmm. they've driven up from texas they were doing some grouse hunting going to go hit pheasants later uh we have a guy at the hotel who drove up from Georgia, mm-hmm. twenty-six hour drive by himself. Yep. Right. You know, I mean, that's it's. Crazy. I'm trying to think what else. What else have I seen? Michigan. Michigan. That's a hall. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. Tennessee. I saw two Tennessee plates today, and I stopped and talked to him about the volunteers, but because that's my team. But yeah, it's they come from everywhere. Yeah.
2: yeah. Colorado. Those were the guys yeah. that that beat us to the the walk-in area. So you just start thinking about right. it. I mean, it's it, it. You know, you have to remind yourself just what an incredible draw it is. And you know, one thing I like. So I like oversee pheasants forever is like so some of our social media, and it's like you see people comment. They're like, "Oh, I've always wanted to go to South Dakota. I've always wanted to go to South Dakota." And I'm like, "Just go." Right. <laughs> but what what would you guys? I'm curious. What would you tell people? Like, I think first off. The, the the thing that people don't do is they just don't like call a biologist or just ask. Like most people are apt to like share information, but I'm just curious. Like we got we got like some biologists in the room. Like, if, do you guys get calls from people? Oh, yeah. Every year, yeah, every year. all the time. Yeah. yeah, they'll they'll call and go. I'm coming out. to South I'm, I'm coming for out. The first never been time. there.
3: Where do I go? Yeah.
2: So how's that go? Because I'm sure there's people listening. Like you know, the guy from Georgia had to make a decision. Like. I got to come to South Dakota. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's easy for me as a Minnesotan. I can drive three, four hours. And if I have a dud of a weekend, I, I might come back, right? Right. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm only a few hours away. But you're making a commitment to come from Michigan, Pennsylvania, Virginia. So they're calling ahead. And, and how's that go? It
3: varies at times depending on the individual that's calling and what they're looking for. But, I mean, two things that always stick in my mind. You know, these folks have never been here, so they don't have a place to go. So public land or public access yeah. is huge. And so you're going to look and try to give them in a general direction where they could have multiple areas or multiple opportunities. Or at least most guys will say, well, I'm willing to drive an hour any direction, and I'm planning to go to so-and-so town. And so try to direct them that way. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll look at the brood surveys and what are bird numbers look like and be upfront and honest and say, hey, you know, this area might have more public land available to hunt, but I'll also tell you that bird numbers appear to be down versus over here, and you might want to consider that in your in your final thing. But, you know, it never goes to the thing of saying, boy, go to this GPA or go to this walking area. It never really goes that far. It's at usually least more, with you. Well, at least with me, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, in general context, it's usually a general area, and it yeah. might be a 20, 30 mile general right. area and say, geez, you know, or somebody to say, man, I'm... I'm going to come to pier, where do I go from pier? And then I'll say, okay, well, heck, you can go any direction, an hour out, and you're going to find pheasants. Right. And if you go this direction, you have a better opportunity to find some grouse. And you could find the right place and have sharp tails, prairie chickens, and pheasant all in the same walk. You know. And so yeah. they get excited about that stuff, and that's what you try to lean them towards.
2: How about you, Mark?
1: Yeah, pretty similar. I give them a general area. Yeah kind of feeling them out for what they're looking for usually they do have a, a part of the state in mind where they right. want to go hunting or they've heard about hunting or or maybe they hunted five years ago and they're they're wanting to go back there or, or you know is that area still good or should i go to a different area of the state things like that is is kind of the questions that i get
2: yeah people i call in well you know i um it's something that i do i mean i travel to upland hunt like quite a bit, and I'm I'm like shameless. I always contact, <laughs> I always contact a biologist. Right. You know, like again, I'm not looking for hot spotting, but I just think like, um, it's just one of those tools that you guys are here as a resource. I don't live here. You guys right. are here, and again, I'm I i do not think most people have the expectation that you're just going to like draw. Yeah, I've got. I'm fright. I'm not saying that I haven't had people just like biologists say like I'd give that exact area a try. Particularly later in the season when hunting pressure dips, but, um, you know, if I was planning a trip to South Dakota and had a general idea about, like, you know, the region I wanted to stay, kind of just, you know, northeast, central, whatever, pier, central, like, find the biologist, or heck, even just call Game Fish and Parks and find out who the biologist is and give them a call or drop them an email, right? Yeah. What's really
3: fun too is you get somebody that comes out and hunts one weekend and they, they'll call you back and say, geez, you know, I hunted this GPA, this specific site, and just didn't find any birds. And it's really fun when you personally know that GPA or that area and you go, you know what, what you should have done is this, or you should yeah. have tried yeah. this. Yeah. And next time they come back and do it and have success, and they'll call you back and go, you right. were spot on, man. That's what <laughs> I did, and man, I found birds. So it, some of it's just, you know, when folks that come for the first time In some cases, they've never hunted some of this type of habitat that they're going to encounter as well. And depending on the year, it can be way different than maybe what they're used to or accustomed to hunting. And so just understanding the time of the year, the habitat makes a huge difference also.
2: Well, we saw it's kind of a good thing and a bad thing. Like, um, you know, the the walk-in areas, and we hunted some of... um, these new community-based access. We'll talk, we'll talk about that a little bit more, but community-based access, like walk-in areas uh, where Pheasants Forever chapters are, are, in the community is chipping in, um, particularly in regions where there's just not a whole lot of public access. But it was amazing um, how many people this opening weekend, like, they key in on those areas, right? And it just got me wondering, you know, you're seeing vehicles drive by, drive by. Um, Matt mentioned that there's a walk-in area near his his place, and he saw four, gr- four groups go through it in one afternoon. Yep. And so it got me thinking, like, do you guys track, like, usage on that kind of stuff? I mean, do you know how, like, do people favor walk-ins over, like, game production areas, over... So my genesis for this is we were hunting, uh, a pheasants forever walking in Montana last year, and it's just kind of the same thing. Like they actually did put some cards out there just to get a little data. And they had like mm-hmm. 500, 500, hunters come through that thing in a year. And I, I think in the last decade they've had like, you know, just like we were talking about people right. from like four, all, all low, lower 48 States. And I was just wondering like if people tend to keep, cause one of the things we noticed, um, I guess this will be a tip for the listeners, but the game production areas seem to be much less utilized than like walk ins. But that's just anecdotal.
3: Yeah. And I think sometimes the thinking is they've been hunted so many times that I'm not going to go hunting. Yeah. You know, and on the flip side, I'll tell you that a lot of public lands could be hunted two or three times in one day, and you can still be successful later on in the day. Yeah. If
0: you're hunting at the right time of the day. So it's
3: those happen all the time. Maybe Mark could chime in on on tracking how many hunters use specific yeah. areas because we've done a little bit of that but not on a regular basis but
1: mark yeah it's been probably eight years or so since we actually did a scientific You're effort dual. to, to <laughs> count the number of use on, on some walking areas and we did it on gpas the next year and and we actually found that yeah they get used a lot Is pretty much mm-hmm. the take-home message <laughs> right <laughs> i mean uh so and it, well, and it doesn't. There wasn't a difference between GPA use and walking yeah. use. They both are heavily. Well, I probably utilized. should finish
2: my thought. The good thing is that people are u- utilizing them. The bad thing is, is there's just not still not enough of them. You right. know, you'd like to see a little more, which is which is the idea behind, uh, you know, trying to incentivize the incentives and 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 and, and get more of these um, places enrolled and particularly right. and you know, there's just kind of dots or blotches of the state that have really good access and some that right you know are a little uh, a, a little open still right 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 is that the best way yeah. to put it yeah, yeah. yeah and I, I think you know just kind of bringing this all back together you
0: know it. i don't know how many pheasant fests i've been to now with the department probably seven or eight or uh you know the thing that that does amaze me is how far we've come as a department with making making this information accessible to the public um, and easily accessible. I remember Secretary Vonk. He was like taller than him. He was nine feet tall, and he came in and he he handed me his <laughs> his his Lawrence his Lowrance GPS. Like it'd been eleven years ago or ten years ago, and he set it down and he handed me the at, the atlas. And he goes, "I want that on that." And I looked at him and I went, "I have an English degree." <laughs> and he goes, <laughs> he goes, "But you know everybody make it happen." So it's kind of started with that on trying to figure out. How to how to get these maps accessible to everybody with the handheld are, technology? Are, are
2: you are you the guy behind the app? Then like? um,
0: no, I'm not going to take credit no. for that. I, I've been involved with it heavily, but I I will say that you know. So we said okay, we'll 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 try to figure that out, and we have a great GIS team, and uh, we contacted Garmin, and Garmin was the first people to go. Yeah, we'd love to do that but we need the maps in this format and and one of our GIS guys who now works for Washington state Chris Marsh goes we already have those in that format and you can have them you can have them you know and <laughs> like the next day like seven development people from Garmin were here sitting in this room going what do we need to do to get this and we're like you just you can have it and we'll put it on a jump drive and we'll give it out to people. We, I remember we had the camouflage jump drives and we shipped out tens of thousands of them to hunters, Um, you know, to go from there to, to, you know, putting Wilma was the big one, you know, Mm -hmm. our access stuff on the web where you can not only, okay, there's a piece of public land, but what does it have on for crops? What does it have on for trees? Have you burned? I mean, the, but the thing that really amazes me is when you go to places and sports shows or you go to Pheasant Fest and the guys from Schomburg or Bloomington, Minnesota or, you know, Kansas City and these guys sit at home and they do this research and they'll come and go, okay, what do you know about this one? And I'm like, yeah, I mean, down to the details. <laughs> and, and, and I had a guy from, from Bloomington who's, who's a friend of a friend and these there was like seven of them standing around our booth in Minneapolis and they're all just they're just peppered me with questions. I was like, Whoa, you guys are serious. And they <laughs> said, we sit around and do like game planning on our hunts to South Dakota and the research. And, and, and it is, it really is all there. I mean, you know, if you tell somebody, you know, I want to come to a South Dakota and do a bucket list hunt, man, that research is there. I mean, the brood counts, the, you know, hunter per mile, the birds, you know, the bird fork, you know, all the brood count stuff and then you know what's the hunting pressure how much public land is there right there i mean if you sit down and do your research and you 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 hunt smart man there's no reason you can't come out and have a have a yeah.
2: really good time out here well right. i think so we're talking about uh, we're alluding to the 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 south dakota game fish and parks app mm-hmm. i'm a um i guess i'm a a zenial. That's like, I know I'm, I know you're going to, you're going to like, what is that? But it's like, um, what do we got? Like there's baby boomers and there's millennials. I'm just in like that little period where I kind of, I can trend either way. So I got, I got like my Atlas, right? (coughs) So I still like use the Atlas, but I'm not averse to using apps too. And I will say, you know, I've the, the South Dakota game fish and parks app is outstanding. So if I was coming to South Dakota and doing a bucket list hunt, the first thing I do is call Tom Kirschman or Mark <laughs> Norton, biologists, to get the lowdown and the skinny on some spots. But I download that app because it is, you know, I even used it just as we're, um, as we're just tracking our progress to uh, move along the road. Are we close right. to the area? Right. You know, you use it just. I mean, there's layers and layers and layers, and you're looking at it. I, I, we're we're going to use it tonight to pick out you know, the spots for tomorrow because we don't know exactly where we're going yet. At least I'm going to. So when we drive across the state, luck. my 8-year-old
3: turns this on, and he's tracking as we drive, and we'll be driving along. And he goes, Dad, on the right-hand side, you got to ask for permission left-hand side it's it's open you can go hunt that i mean he's got the map figured out where you can can hunt and where you have to get permission yeah it's
2: it's really impressive i would it's free right yep (laughs) it's free which uh you know i mean what more do you need go download it check it out play around with it uh if you don't come to south dakota this year you probably will soon I, i think i figured it out at one point like when I was crunching some numbers, like in any given year, like fifteen percent of active pheasant hunters are coming to South Dakota, like fifteen to twenty percent. So download that app; it'll. It's a good number. Yeah. You'd like to see uh, it be, be I, higher, I obviously, like but. but um, uh
0: the funny thing is, we got a. Uh, I got an email from our our BIT, the Bureau of Information Technology, on I think it was Wednesday, saying, "Hey, would you send out an email to all the pheasant hunters, asking them to please feel free to download the Atlas." And in the public land stuff ahead of the pheasant season, because last year you crashed, they crashed our servers. So I sent out an email to like 200,000, you know, non-resident resident pheasant hunters going, hey, you guys, you all know the guys and gals, you all know this is here and it's there, but just giving you a heads up, download it now and get it you know, don't, don't be using your minutes, you know, your quote unquote minutes (laughs) and get it onto your phone. Use a little bit of memory. Yeah. I mean, they sent it to us and they said, literally crashed the servers last year. (laughs) So that's,
2: that's the date, even the data breach in South Dakota or whatever it did all relates back to pheasants. Right. Right. Oh, well, one thing I wanted to, you you know, I did want to, I'd be remiss if we got Tom Kirschman here, you know, he used to work at pheasants forever. I was curious, like, How far in the way back machine are we going? Way back. (laughs) Way back back. machine.
3: (laughs) Let's say, um, so I started with PF in the summer, July of 95. And at that time, there was, I believe, eight field reps nationwide. So that was interesting. So the first staff meeting I went to uh, in Belgrade, Nebraska, uh, in the fall of 95, there was Jeff Finden, Howard Vincent, and... uh, I'm forgetting one other that came down, and then there was like eight field reps. And so like
2: was, a dozen people, basically? Yeah, it was,
3: it was amazing yeah. and compared to what it is right now when you get everybody together for Pheasant Fest or something like that. So it's really neat. But, uh, yeah, I had the great opportunity when I finished graduate school, came on with PF, and I covered Illinois and Indiana for five years. Had the opportunity to come back to South Dakota and covered South Dakota and Wyoming for another five and then joined uh, Department of Game, Fish and Parks as the pheasant biologist, and here today.
2: Yeah it it's always it's always interesting to me. Um, you, you just try to like put things into context and perspective, and it's like you, you know I guess we'll we'll be doing a little horn tooting here, but like you know when I think about where pheasants forever is in just like three and a half decades, but even yeah. like even just like two decades ago, we only had like twenty employees, right. <laughs> you know. Right. You know, so yeah. you just think about how much work happened on, like, the backs of volunteers yeah. early on just doing things. And, um, you know, now now the, the professional network has has spanned quite a bit with, like, the expansion of our Farm Bill Biologist program, right. which, right. you know, consult with, like, or landowners. They consult with landowners and, and work up habitat management plans and work to help them enroll in conservation programs. But that has expanded um, so greatly that you know now we're I think pushing 400 employees, right? um right. And it's just kind of it, it's it's just kind of mind-boggling to me to see where we've come. You know, from a guy yeah. like you who just you know in, in basically a quarter century, it's man, that's rem- some serious yeah. growth. And
3: I, I have to rem- admit, I remember going out to Illinois that first fall, and and it's one of my favorite stories. The one of the local PF chapters, several of them call me and go, well. You're going to join us for pheasant opener in Illinois, right? I said, "Sure, great, appreciate that." (laughs) And they go, "Well, be at our place for at six o'clock for breakfast." And I go, "Why? You know?" And I'm used to the noon opener, and it's sunrise in Illinois. Like, what the heck are we doing here? (laughs) It was just odd. And then the other part was, you know, public land in Illinois, you had to put in for a lottery drawing to get selected to hunt it, and it was just like, oh my goodness. And the first day that I did a private lands hunt with another gentleman. We walked from sunrise to sunset, and we flushed one hen the entire day. And I was like, okay, I'm not oh, used to this business. Yeah. And, and so I quickly talked him into going, we need to make a trip back to South Dakota, and I'm going to show you what <laughs> pheasant is about because he was originally from Tennessee, Alabama area. And, uh, yeah, that became an annual tradition then to bring him out here to hunt pheasant. All right.
4: That's pretty cool. Yeah. I was just going to say, today, Tom, it, we talked about the Farm Bill Bios Partnership. He was there for that. He's the one that started, kind of started that rolling and good or bad, he's the one that hired me in Pheasants Forever 16 years ago. Oh,
2: now it's all coming out. Yeah. Right.
4: There's a full circle to everything. those
2: you know? things.
4: <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, Matt was one of the first original farm bill biology. I think
4: we hired four at that time. Four, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that was, kicked off that whole program right here in South Dakota. Yep. That 2004, is- I believe it was. Three. Three, yeah. 2003, 2004. Yep,
2: and it still exists in South Dakota. Don't worry, it fault. does. So we,
4: Going it's, strong.
2: Yeah. What are that's we up true. to now?
4: Ask me that in about two weeks. Cause we'll be up to about nineteen at that point. Oh, wow. But right now we're sitting at thirteen.
2: Well, that's good. You know, well, I don't feel bad about saying that because you know, I kind of, I kind of wondered whether or not I was, I was gonna, you know, cover some of this ground, but. Uh, Um, you can get kind of like institutionalized and you think, you know, things about your organization, but sometimes you gotta, you gotta talk to people and you're out there. And so we, we did meet some hunters that I guess they had kind of a different view of what Pheasants Forever does. You know, they were under the, the mistaken, they're hunting one of these community-based access properties, right. That, that we've partnered on, we meaning Pheasants Forever chapters, game fish in parks cvbs yeah yeah the community and i think um at its core that's what pheasants forever is you know is about habitat access that's why we're doing this rooster road trip that's why we're talking about it but you know it's just things are all relative and so this group of hunters i mean i'll try to i'll try to be somewhat um you know you know not incriminating but their their view was that well all you guys all you guys do is give seed to big outfits and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it's just, it, <laughs> I kind of want to just like clench my fists. And I'm like, you work so hard to talk about what you do. Now, don't get me wrong. We have like, you know, seed programs and discounted seed programs, blah, blah, blah. But there's such a, there's such a minuscule part of what we do. You know, the overriding thing is like, the overriding thing is habitat, private land habitat, public land habitat access you know and it's just uh it's so i mean how do you guys deal with that just like you know on a a day-to-day basis just Mm -hmm. trying to like you work so hard to shout your message and to get everybody on board it's a good thing right everybody's doing good things but like how do you how do you how do you crank those gears and get people to kind of understand like these are the big issues here yeah well related to what you just described
3: there Obviously, there are a lot of hunters that come to South Dakota and other states as well to go hunt pheasants that, you know, they don't know the work that goes into all the different habitat works and stuff. But what they are very familiar with are food plots because it is a commonly (laughs) hunted habitat type, you know. And so food plots become very centric real fast because it's something they can relate to. That's what a lot of guys hunt. That's what they walk, find a lot of birds. And so food plots become almost more important than a lot of the other parts
2: uh, they they fixate on it
3: well and again because that's what you're used to and that's what you see when you're out there in the field being successful yeah. in many situations and so you know at times as a biologist or a former biologist and, and habitat manager and stuff <laughs> yeah um <Damn>. former <laughs> you know you preach and preach about the things that you need to make pheasants and it's you know survival habitat and reproductive habitat and that's the grassland nesting cover and the essential habitat components in the winter and food plots are part of that also um but it's really easy to become fixated on that and that's not the number one habitat type we need to focus on to have more pheasants but it's one that a lot of people relate to because that's what they're hunting in quite frequently
2: yeah that makes sense. I can see that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do some trial and error in my community. You know, I'm still crafting all my communication. You're there, your communication is always evolving, right, Chris? Right. You know. Yeah. De- dealing with the what I call unenlightened. Uh, yeah, <laughs> sure. Yeah. Right. No, no one wanted yeah. to bite. Hey, right. thankfully, yeah. thankfully they had, they, they did, uh, they were familiar with the Rooster Road Trip, so that was a right. step. So they had a they had a good hunt. We heard some shooting. I think they and then they came back and talked to us and they got three roosters and a prairie chicken. So yeah. we felt pretty good about that Good yeah. We meaning me speaking for pheasants forever in game fishing parks That's what you wanna <coughs> yeah, see some, we're okay with that. some sure. success on those areas so well, uh, how long do you have to not practice biology um before you're just like a former biologist?
3: I'm not sure I'll just keep. Talking like I know what I'm talking about, but I'm not sure I do anymore. But uh,
2: no, you're just doing too much administrative work,
3: or what? I I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. But uh, habitat's always fun to talk about, and then people really get excited about it. And you know, it's always fun to talk to our actual biologists and managers. You mentioned the farm bill biologists. I mean, those folks get extremely excited when they get to go up and talk to people about building habitat. And it's always fun and refreshing to see that. People have a lot of fun talking about it. And even more importantly, how excited landowners get that really have an interest when they learn something new or try something different and they have success in it. There's nothing more fun to see those folks get excited about habitat than it is the birds themselves. They just get a hoot out of that. Right.
2: Yeah. Well, we did talk to another... I guess this is the thing. It's like a drumbeat. That's what it is. You got to keep saying it. There's always somebody who might might not know might not have heard they might not be a member they don't read the magazine they don't haven't downloaded the app whatever it is and we we talked to a gentleman who um it was his his land that was enrolled enrolled in the walk in area and he was actually telling us uh that this this was opening day and we 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 talked to him for a good long while maybe an hour you know mm-hmm. just in the middle of the road um which is it's probably odd that we didn't have a vehicle come by in all that time but we you know, we said thanks for enrolling, we really appreciate it, and uh, and then one thing he mentioned was that, well, I have some other ground, I think I'd like to get into CRP, but I haven't heard anything about that, you know. and I, So it's like, hey, let's talk, you know, yeah. we'll stay in touch. I mean, hey, if that means if some more acres of CRP and a little more access, and right. um, I would have thought he would have just for sure have heard about what's going on, but... Right. Hey, it's Harvest. You're busy. Things are happening. Doesn't mean you know what's going on with the farm bill or right. or uh it expiring or when when you know the next enrollment is going to be. So, yeah. you just Yeah, I'm learning some things out here.
0: Right. I it is funny because Mark Norton's pretty quiet, but his his cube is right across the hall from me and I think your phone has been just going off. I mean, it's just <laughs> been ringing constantly
1: for the last 6 weeks. Yeah, there's been there's been a lot of interest in and landowners wanting to put land in CRP in South Dakota, without a doubt. And it's been that way for the last two years. And uh, with the last farm bill, when they lowered that national cap, it really, really uh, limited the ability, the opportunities for landowners to enroll their land in CRP. And it's been very competitive ever since. And there's a lot of demand out there right now. And there's no opportunity right now. But hopefully next year, things will change.
2: What what are we at CRP-wise in South Dakota
1: right Uh, now? We're at uh, just a little over 1 million acres. Okay.
2: I, I think, well, let me ask you this. What what uh, number would you would you like it to be at? I mean, that's like, you know, maybe like a reasonable expectation.
1: Well, we'd like it to be close to 1.5 million. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we don't control the national budget sure. and where money's coming from, so, uh, but... I, I think there's there's demand out there from landowners in South Dakota to to, to, to sustain yeah. 1.5 million acres of CRP.
2: And pheasants forever. That's that's an. I wanted to get your take on that because that's something I think we've been in lockstep with, and that that's a that's a number like a state specific number for South Dakota that we've been very supportive of and would like to see is 1.5 million acres. So I guess my question for you is, like, what would that mean for the pheasant population? I mean, I know this is a, is a bit speculative, but we've probably been there before at some point, right? We have. And, yeah. and I, and I realize, like, you know, I don't know where all those, <laughs> all those acres would go exactly, but, I mean, just kind of in a best-case scenario, you're, you add 400,000 acres, and, you, you, you know, at some point the weather's going to be good. What does that do to South Dakota's already strong pheasant
1: population? Well, it's definitely a huge boost in the arm. Uh, I mean, to put numbers to it, it's hard to say, but I mean, you could easily see a 25% increase, I'd say. You know, I, I think it also, you look back at the history and a big part of that would be is if we were able to add another
3: four hundred, five hundred thousand 500,000 acres is where you'd put them. Yeah. And where you'd get your most return on your investment. and And we saw that over the history of CRP when the program really started, we had more acres initially enrolled in the western part of the state things changed through ebis and different things like that and we saw and with the wetland practices we saw some more crp come to the eastern part of the state and then um, so you couple that in more of that traditional pheasant range and we had a string of very good weather conditions and nesting habitat and stuff big part of why we reached our 40-year high in the mid-2000s I mean, that was a big part of it. And um, and so there were multiple things that played into it. But again, back to the CRP, a huge component is where do you put it? And and what kind of impact would it have then? I mean, if if another 400,000 acres went out Western South Dakota, for example, it's going to have huge benefits for prairie grouse and other wildlife and, you know, deer and other populations of wildlife. No question about it. And there's going to be pheasants that benefit from it as well. If you look at it strictly from a pheasant standpoint, of all additional four or five hundred thousand acres went in the eastern part of the state and some of that traditional range, again, from a pheasant perspective, you'd see even a bigger response to it. So a lot of it's gonna be location, but regardless of where it's at, it's gonna have huge benefits for
2: wildlife. Yeah. I'm I'm rooting for the heart of the pheasant range, but that's just that's just one man one non residents rooting interest. <laughs> <laughs> what but you know, this is the thing is is like I you, you, Tom. Well, anybody listening, if 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 you have your thoughts, you can let your legislators know, right? It's, I mean, ultimately, at some level, it's your program. I mean, you get to have it. Right, right. We're taxpayers, and we pay for it. And we, um, it doesn't mean you get everything you want in life, but you can at least let uh, your legislators know that hey, I'm supportive of this. And um, I think sometimes those are those are the things that uh, you you know. Um, People ask us. I mean, we've talked about a national cap and stuff. But if if you're you're listening and you want to tell your, your legislator that that you hunt right. in South Dakota, whether you're a resident or a non-resident, uh, you're a landowner, non-landowner, you can let them know that um, this is. what you'd like to see right. 1.5 million acres in South Dakota? How do we get there? All right. You know, one thing that's very obvious and
3: holds true over time is that you know the one constant is where birds respond in our case we're talking about pheasants here is where large-scale conservation programs have a huge impact going all the way back to soil bank to our modern day crp Uh, those are the things that have an impact on long-term trends of pheasant numbers Mm -hmm. you know you're going to have annual fluctuations because of weather and other things like that but long-term trends are controlled by those larger landscape conservation programs
2: well speaking of those conservation programs I had it on good accord. Uh, we we gotta meet secretary Game Fish and Park Secretary Kelly Hepler today and he informed me that Mark Norton who's in the room with us has an almost encyclopedic knowledge of the Farm Bill's conservation title and you get quizzed like every day. Right. What was the what was the last what was the last <laughs> question you what was the last question you got that they threw at you? I just wanna see if anyone else in this room could answer it.
1: Well, Tom probably could, but uh, it was actually a question at a we had at a public meeting, and uh, the somebody, other somebody asked about. I thought that I hear there's something about prairie dogs in the Farmville, so mm. it's it's not really related to the conservation title as much. It was it was more so related to setting a buffer to on national grassland, so on public land uh, to private land for for prairie dogs. It's not necessarily a Habitat uh, conservation it, title farm bill, but it, that that's an off the wall there? type question. Yeah, it is. And you nailed it. You crushed it. I I probably didn't crush it, but I
2: <laughs> he knew, I, he I knew it, it was there. So, <laughs> what, he's what being you, modest. Yeah. He knew it
1: was there. He crushed it. So do you have you just
2: like read the the farm bill like cover to cover? I have I've read I the mean, conservation
1: title of the farm okay. bill. Okay, yes. how many pages <laughs> is that? Well, I don't know how. I mean, the whole farm bill is. Well, over a thousand pages, yeah. but I I don't yeah, that know just what the conservation title is. I'm not sure. Yeah. Well, it, yeah. It, it, but, oh,
2: I'm glad I'm glad you're doing it and yeah. reading that, and not me, because
0: that that doesn't sound remarkably fun. If you but. go into Mark's office and he's got that like open, you just turn around and walk out. You're, you're like, no, I'm not gonna bother him now. <laughs> he's like in that Doogie Howser
2: zone, right where he's just like. Just you know, studying it, up. Right,
1: yeah. Well, I mean, when oh, when the House and the Senate, you know, they're all the stages of making legislation in this country, it, it takes 500 steps before you ever get to an actual farm bill. And so you've got committees doing their stuff. Yeah. So you got to be familiar with what's going on there. And then they, then it goes to the full body. And then the other committee and the other body has to, to do their own thing. And then it goes that. And now they're in the, the conference committee. So they're trying to figure out which the House or the Senate's version uh, they want that, to do. That's for where we're at. I mean, can you, give yep. us, can you just give us a, a little more detail on the farm bill update? Well, it's been pretty hush-hush here the last couple months, actually. It's, well, it's been in this conference committee, uh, but I guess the latest I've heard is for CRP, which is what everybody's really interested in, is, is they're, they're shooting for maybe a 27-million-acre national cap. So that would be an increase of, of 3 million acres over what it is now undoubtedly that's going to give landowners a a better opportunity to enroll in crp Um, and they're they're making a bunch of other detailed tweaks to that program uh, that uh, i'm not going to bore you with unless you really want to get into it but (laughs) (laughs) no no nobody nobody really nodded their
2: head and was like yeah let's jump in that well um you know since since we got since we got four South Dakotans in a room, this is one thing I was thinking about. Um, are there any overlooked spots in South Dakota? Nothing I'm going to share with you. Okay. No. <laughs> None. <laughs> All right, well, that, that answers that. There are a couple, <laughs> yeah. but
0: our coworkers would kill us. <laughs> That's um, fine.
2: So they're out there.
0: They do yeah, exist. They're not. Absolutely, they still do. And, and you know, like I, 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 I'm a fifth-generation Sistan kid, and, and I never hunted a food plot until i moved to pier i mean our deal was late afternoons hitting peaver Slough or you know any of those sloughs up around lake travers and north up by white rock and you know i would be out there in hip boots and and my dad and uncle would shoot birds and they were like hey, did you see any birds i was like no but i heard you guys shooting because the cattails are over my head <laughs> But, it, but it, you know, it is, I mean, we get that, we, we all get that question all the time. And, and it's, you know, I, I could go, I could take you to a spot three miles from Watertown and you could see as many pheasants as you've ever seen in your life, but you got to want to work for them and you want to, got to want to get to them. And you probably need a Chesapeake Bay retriever to get them, but <laughs> yeah. So they're there and it's just, uh, I mean, it's how you want to hunt and, and, and the kind of stuff, and, and especially, like, later in the season, people overlook stuff that, that I think, you know, probably the four of us, even growing up in fairly different, uh, you know, we would look at it and go, man, there's pheasants there, and people just drive by it all the time. Um, but it's just, yeah, they're there. I mean, when you hit on this, it varies across
4: the state so much on how you right, hunt these birds. Right. You right. know, I got in trouble once. I told people to go out to Lemon, South Dakota, hunt pheasants. And got a phone call later <laughs> oh, that well there was there was no food plots there to walk. There's right. no this, no that. I mean you go out west and you're hunting these plum thicket draws, kosher weeds, stuff and, that you would not right. normally somebody coming from the east wouldn't think about hunting. Right. And that's the prime habitat where you go to the James River Valley, this area, it's your what you think of food plot walking, that kind of stuff.
1: Right. Then
4: you go up where Chris and I were from growing up in the northeast and it's busting cattails. <laughs> right. So that when I get a call like that, that's my first question: is How do you want to hunt them? Right, and then you can go to a different part of the state and do it. That's the cool thing about it. Right.
2: Yeah. <laughs> or just go to Lemon, South Dakota. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I did not say that. I did not say that. <laughs> <laughs> I just you know that we're, was we're, when I said that. These, I got I, a
4: calls from the chapter out there, Pheasant Forever I, chapter in Lemon, saying, "Keep it quiet, right, dude. Don't stop, don't right? talk. We don't want people oh, okay. out here." <laughs> I,
2: I just think like you know we. You know, I pry a little bit. You got to do that. I'm asking these biologists, like, what do they say? Uh, they're kind of, I think they're kind of being discreet, you know, which is good. Uh, you know, some might even say a little tight lip, but that's, that's, you right. You can't just give things away. People right. got to earn it. Right. You know, go to this region, go to that region. Matt Morlock, what do you see? Just go to Lemon, South Dakota. Go to to (laughs) Lemon. Go Lemon. Why not? (laughs) Go go West, young man. (laughs) He's maybe so far away, like he thinks like no one will care, and boom, it just backfired. Oh, oh, it
4: backfired big time on me on that one. Yeah, I think
0: I think I was working for tourism one time, and I I brought up something (laughs) about Northwest South Dakota pheasant hunting and. Uh, some of my friends up in that Shade Hill area, it was immediate. They called me, and they're like, dude, you were on TV talking and telling them to come up to Shade Hill and go fishing. And I was like, I'm
4: so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: at least you kind of use the broad term Northwest, right? right? right it wasn't yeah. just and, like, uh, you know. It,
4: it, wh- well, out in that country, if you say one town, I mean, that's covering half of that. Right, your neighbor's 80 miles away. Right, the next mailbox is 80 miles right. down the road.
2: <laughs> yeah, well. I think I might give lemon a try next year. That sounds yeah. pretty good. It's a bit of a haul, so pick
0: me up on the way. I'll split gas
2: with you. All right, we're I'll, gonna. I'll go with two. We're gonna yeah, do that. That it is actually. I shouldn't. You know, it is. Uh, well, more probably. It's probably in my mind because he said that to me at some point. But uh, that is a region that I've I've yet to pheasant hunt yeah. in South Dakota. You know, and I'm just kind of one of those guys that likes to. But it it does make sense around. if you think
0: about North Dakota and where they shoot most of their pheasants is. Just yeah, right across, across the border. border. Right, right. The but it is pick, different hunting.
4: You get to pick up a bonus hunt or two out there too. Yeah, right. absolutely.
0: <laughs>
3: that was. I was just going to say that. Yep. People talk about that. Right. The opportunity to harvest a partridge, partridge. in western yep. South Dakota.
2: And there's grouse. Yeah, that way. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right. Sharp, yep. tail. Sharp yep. tails. Sharp yep. tails. Right. Prairie chickens. We were talking about because we did see a couple of prairie chickens today. They're they're kind of confined to the this central part of the state. The uh, more yeah. or less. Yeah. For the most part, yeah. I mean, you're, you're going to see them
3: in areas where you do get a little bit farther out from central part of the state that have some mixture of sunflowers and some different agricultural fields. But you're not, way out west, it's going to be all sharp tails. Way up north, it's going to be all sharp tails. The big central part of the state is going to have a good mixture of the two.
2: Yeah. Well, we like our mixed bags. Yeah, I lady. like that. that. That's a nice draw, too. They are yeah. fun
3: to come across, though. Yeah. Yeah. Just don't mistake them for a hand.
2: Well, what's what's your what's your favorite bird other than pheasants
3: to harvest? Yeah, more pheasants. <laughs> no, no. Honestly, prairie grouse are a lot of fun. But you know, I'd be remiss myself in growing up in South Dakota. I mean, waterfall hunting's blue a, bills a, a total blast as well. Yeah, and I'm so, a diver duck hunter. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's from the northeast, so yeah, it's yeah. gonna be a a diver boy there. Yeah.
2: Well, we won't pry for too many spots. I'm there. not telling you anything. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take fine. you there, but I'm not telling you. That's why. That's why. He, that's why he's talking Chesapeake. He can get his pheasants right, at that right. secret spot. I right. no, It's bills. just
0: labs, right? All you're right. you're a grouse hunter though, Marky, Wouldn't
1: you say that? Well, you're a duck hunter though too. You shoot more ducks than I do. Anywhere. Yeah, I'm an all-around bird hunter. I, yeah. Yeah. There's not many guys that are bird hunters over deer hunters. I don't think. At least I don't come across many. <laughs> There's a lot of guys that that are deer hunters first. It seems like, and and they do pheasant hunting because mm-hmm. it's easy and it's everywhere in South right. Dakota at least. And and then you know, then you get to the guys that are well duck hunters. It gets it, it keeps going down and down, and then just right. It has, is it <clears throat> is Chris. Maybe you know this. It is a pretty remarkable drop
2: off, uh, like hun- hunting pressure wise. Like the first couple weeks of the oh, season, absolutely. right? Mm-hmm. And then, so what do you think it is, is? Is it because people? It's like Mark says that people are they maybe tilt a little deer first, and it drops off, uh, yeah. or is it just you think it's the weather? I think I think
0: it's partially the weather. I think it's also um, deer hunting. Is that's a great point. I haven't really thought about that that much. But I also think it's just tradition, too. People are so geared to, man, that second, you know, that middle of October, we're going to pheasant hunt, you know, and we're going to hit it hard for a couple months or a couple weeks, and our, and our out-of-state visitors were so in tune for so long. You know, we're coming, and it's the tradition, and we're going to come when the orange bright orange carpet is out right and these communities like last night murdo had a wild game feed and it was there's 320 people in murdo and 600 people in jones county and there's 400 people at this wild game feed right so it's tradition stuff too but you know i I used to when i worked for tourism i did 10 sports shows a year and everybody i I mean to a t and this is 10 11 years ago they, nobody came after, you know, the first of November, my God, are you guys, you know, are you living in Igloos yeah. then? And, you know, it's just like, no, you just push it back a couple of weeks and wow, the birds will be wild. And it's just like, yeah, but <laughs> there's nobody around, <laughs> right? I mean, and that's, you know, I always used to tell people when I, when I first moved up here and I started hunting and I figured it out quickly, man, I, I wouldn't go out and, and hunt pheasants, you know, on public ground until... Maybe the week before Thanksgiving, and then we'd be out there, and I'd see, you know, I'd see Tommy, and I didn't even know Tommy, but I, I saw, I knew what his rig was, you know, and we're hunting these similar areas, and we always shot birds, but I, I think it's weather. People are scared of the weather a little bit, but I think it's that tradition, and deer hunting does come into play because I, yeah. I know a lot of big time bird hunters that those dogs start getting fat come you know west river deer opener because the the odd six is is coming out and the the 1100 is going in the in the in the closet you know and
3: but think about the resident hunters you know really with all the seasons man we start september and it's like one opener after another after another for almost three months yeah and there's something about an opening weekend i mean obviously hunting or pheasant hunting is the big one but the opener of East River Deer is a big darn deal. West River Deer opening is a big darn deal. Antelope hunting, big deal opening weekend. Right. Waterfall hunting is a big deal opening week. I mean, there's yeah, you can almost go two months straight with an opener every right. weekend of some sort or another. And at one point in time, I think some folks are just like, I'm almost burned out to a certain right. degree. Because I'm out of
0: annual and my wife's mad at me. Right. but
3: uh, <laughs> <laughs> But late season hunting is different there's no yeah. different there's no doubt about it it's different but i think more and more people are understanding what yeah. late season pheasant hunting can be and what mm-hmm. it's about and uh and uh you know honestly somebody that comes back late season almost has a second opener because it's way different than that yeah, third right. weekend of october especially you come back after Thanksgiving
2: yeah well i think I'm, i i may have mentioned it on a, on a previous edition but i i probably should just cover my bases but if you are thinking about a late season hunt, and I mean late, late season, because it goes through, what, January 6th this year? year. Yep. Is that what it is? But yep. if you do buy your license after December 15th, 15th. right, you right. can, so it's broken up, uh, how, how the license works is you get two five-day periods yep. in South Dakota, mm-hmm. and you can, you'll use your first, your one five, I mean, you can use it all, <laughs> but right. if you make it out for one trip, uh, between December 15th and the close of the season, you use your one five-day period, and then if you want to come back next year, you can just save that second five-day period for next year. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Come back on the opener. 101st yep. season. Yeah, we're still fighting about that. It would be the
0: 100th anniversary of the 100th season, I think is how is that, that Is that why – 101st you're- <laughs> season, I don't know.
2: Is that why when I said pheasantennial, you're, you're kind of like – well. I, I think we used pheasantennial
0: when, when pheasants got introduced. That was mm. the f- pheasantennial, like in in 2008, I think.
2: I'm running with it's it. Running. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm off <often> and <laughs> running. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, you go with it. Here, here's the thing, okay? This is... I'm not going to be around for the next one, okay? two hundred The 200th anniversary, it's right. so, all... It's happening now. Right. We're talking okay. about it. Yeah, I'm it. With We're you. Just doing it. We're with
3: you. We're with you. You know, you you'll can, be here for the quasi though, won't you? <laughs>
0: right. That's like like I don't even know what that right. is. <laughs> you know. So let's t- let's talk about you, jokers, and, 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 and the rooster road trip. Um, sure. Where you
2: hunted yesterday? Where? Uh, let's see. I got I got to get it straight. Opener. Well, we went out. We did the grasslands, obviously. Um you know just part of that was you know we couldn't we were antsy after a, a eight-hour drive right, we wanted right, to just right. get out and get you know get the dog stretched out and uh and then we hunted that walk-in area in the afternoon mm-hmm. and that was south of the grasslands a little bit nice cover we didn't actually push a bird out of it but um there were three three sides of crops on it and it was right. mid-afternoon we didn't have high expectations right. but right. uh like i said we 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 felt like contractually obligated to be pheasant hunting at that time. Yes, you know, we've got a truck that's got a bunch of logos plastered on it, and if people saw us sitting at Arby's, right, which is I think what (laughs) we were thinking about doing, like just wait for the golden hour that we would have caught a bunch of crap for it, and you know,
0: it. somebody would have
2: taken a picture of us, right, and then posted it like you know on Facebook or Instagram, like sleeping. These guys are really really killing it from the diehards, right. And then we went out and hunted a game production area uh, about a half hour from pier. And we saw quite a few birds last night. They were just, they, they tended to be the wrong color, you know, a lot of hands. Um, but the dogs got a lot of work and we got a few shots and, uh, and one in the bag. And so it was, um, it was a very enjoyable day, you know, and we were also, you know, we didn't hit it. We got to hunt all week. Right. And we're, I wouldn't say we're remarkably um, flush with dog power. Right. I mean, we have, we have five hunters. That's we where have, I was going next. What, what kind of dogs are you Sure. Sure. Uh, so we have, uh, I have two English Cocker Spaniels, and um, my, my colleagues, Andrew, Andrew Vavra, director of marketing, and Logan Hinners, our, our graphic designer, they each have a lab. And then Emmy Emmy Marrier, who is our membership special, she has a, a flat coated retriever. What are we up to now? That's five. That's five. 100. I guess we have six because I have a my sister has an English setter, and I've I'm I'm I have that in tow as well. Right. So we have a half dozen dogs. But Lux Lux, who's his, Emmy's dog, is um he's actually injured and he can't hunt until Monday. So that's why I guess right. I've been thinking five. So he'll he'll uh, he'll come out um tomorrow. Um, so we'll be back up to full strength. He had a little eye injury, so we've got it's mo- it, it's mostly flushers. You know, right. we got the the one pointer, um, but you know that's uh, I I think like at first at first blush, it's like, well, oh, you guys are in good shape, but you know, things just happen. Fa-
4: they were all fast.
2: Yeah, They've, yeah. These s- these trips, I've seen 75 it. Seventy-five degrees. Know. The other yeah. thing is is that um, you know. Uh, Logan, Andrew, and I have done this trip five years in a row, and our and and their dogs and my older dog, it, you know, they're they're not like the spring the spring chickens yeah. they once were. That's 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 the thing we've all kind of been lamenting is that um, I think I think Andrew's dog is is the is the is the elder statesman of the of the of the crew canine crew, and and she's like eight, and then my elder spaniel is seven and i think logan's is like six but or seven and they're all in that age where i think they're like in their hunting it it just it creates kind of like this this uh um kind of weird um just dichotomy inside yourself where you're looking at them it's like they're they're probably hunting the best they ever will but their recovery time they just don't bounce back like i didn't even hunt i didn't even hunt um my spaniel today my my older one just because she hunted last night and was just she goes so hard and she's just and i have a couple other dogs so i didn't need to force it but she just looked beat and it just it bums Mm -hmm. me out so bad to see him like she hunts as good as she like i said is she's hunting as good as she'll ever hunt right this is it this is her absolute prime and so i'm trying to enjoy that but she just doesn't bounce back like right. that 2 or 3 year old dog and I'm sure you guys have seen and, and that. And we talk about yep.
0: that all the time. Mark and I have a, have dogs that are that are from the same litter and they look, I mean, almost identical and I think it was last year at the beginning of the se- or about halfway through the season I was like, "Man, that dog she's just, you know, she's she's beat." And he goes, "Well, they're eight, and I was like, "No, they're only six, <laughs> and Mark just looked at me like, "What are you talking about?" And I'm like, Oh man, I lost two years there, <laughs> yeah, you know they and they do hunt smarter, but you know you're talking to you know pier isn't a necessarily a lab town like most of south dakota is because of the grouse and right. but you're talking the lab guys so that's that's the only reason my my grandpa was a six foot eight 340 pound german that raised labs and he would say there's three kinds of dogs there's yellow there's brown and there's black and everything else is a barn dog <laughs> <laughs> you know so when i moved up here and i'm just like look at that short hair you know you know 80 miles an hour going back it's like how do you keep that dog in the house <laughs> oh we don't keep him in the house no, it's like well oh, why, no. why would, you know so but no I, I i get it
2: and it and it is i mean that thing about the dogs is they just don't live long enough no no well that that's that's what we were talking about as we were killing time this afternoon is that it uh no it was the guy at the gas station that's who i was talking to he was he was uh he was an old guy himself, and he had an old dog. And the thing is, it doesn't matter how old you are; you could get a dog when you're 80. That dog is going to outpace you in years <laughs> at some point. Yeah, right. You know what I'm saying? Is right, like right. you do that that multi that that multiplier of seven, and so that's what happened to me too. Right. I'm having like probably that mi- that early midlife crisis where it's like my dog passed me like in the last right. year, yeah. like age wise. You know, I was thinking I was getting gray, and then I looked at my dog, and she's like a month was just grayer right. than I was, and it's like. Why is this happening to me? Right, right. Why am I here? Right. You know. Yeah. yeah. So it's. But we are. Uh, we are enjoying that. We cool. are enjoying that. The, the. time. You know. Seeing these dogs as smart as they'll be. They've right. got. They've got the game figured out as good as they ever have. And so. Yeah. And then today we. Um, we bounced back and did that. That uh, community-based access. Walk in and then hunted a nice game production area tonight and. You know now the thing is we have lots of options for tomorrow. Right. And that's what we're going to be doing all week. Is we're uh, you know um, uh, zigzagging our way from pier over back to the um, that eastern border with Minnesota right. and hunting um, public public land, public access, public habitat the entire way. Right. So awesome. How many years is this rooster road trip been going on? This this is number eight. What? It's been Where? eight already. Eight. Right. Wow. What? Uh, yeah, and Andrew's bow was that you know he's that's kind of one of his claim to is His bowl was like a six month old puppy or yeah. something. I remember it coming yeah. out with that one. I was well, on that first one. What's
0: the genesis of it? I mean, what was the? I mean, I'm sure it's probably. Uh, I mean, I've watched it and listened to it and and kind of watched it transform. But what was the idea behind it? Just yeah,
2: I, I an think, awesome you know,
0: trip, and we're gonna go
2: woohoo! You know, I mean, <laughs> you know we we wanted to just do some event. Uh, you know there's 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 a couple components but if I pared it down it's like we we wanted to do an event that um probably just appealed to you know we were like Andrew and I were like in our early earlier 20s at right. that time and we wanted to do something that just I think appealed to like the people that we knew Right But we were also just um so that was one number 2 is just uh there's there's a distinction like people make that distinction about public lands, right? Like, you know, Mm -hmm. like it's like, it's, it's an addition. It's like, um, like a suffix, (laughs) you know, like, well, I got these birds on public land, land. you know, people would send me photos like we worked hard for these birds, but got them on the golden hour on public land. I mean, people are proud of that fact, you know, that, uh, um, that they have access to it, that they own it, right. that, you know, maybe in some cases it is harder to find the birds because they've been pressured. There's a lot of right. reasons, but it's right. a thing. Right. Right. Um, and then the last one was, um, you know, that you know, I think there's, uh, I don't know that this has gone away a lot. Um, Andrew talks about this, uh, cause I know this was one, one of his motivations is that, you know, we, we just, you know, part of it's just prove it, you know, like, that that ap- that apathy or um that indifference, like right. you know, the, this stuff is out there, there can be more of it. We can restore it. You know, what what we have we can restore, we can create it, we can be proud of it, right. but it can be productive, it's good hunting. Like right. just because you don't own land, uh and like you know, Andrew doesn't own land. I don't own land. <laughs> right. Well, I own nine tenths of an acre in yeah. the Twin Cities, but it's it's unproductive burden. Right. <laughs> don't don't let that don't let that be a limitation. Right. So it part of it was right. prove it like we want to showcase success because success breeds success. Right? Right. You go to South Dakota, like we're not we're not real big on secrets. Right. <laughs> you know, I guess if you want to call me up and um you know, I don't want to hot spot too much, but if you want to drop me a note and ask me after the trip where we're going, I'll probably tell you. Right. You know? Right. There, yeah. there isn't a big secret. We're not we wanna showcase like That you can go out, you can find. That's that's one of the things I probably don't mention enough too. And and when we talk about public land, probably because of the way it's managed, has. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's plenty of private land. There's more Mm -hmm. private land out there, and a lot of private land is great habitat. But public land is typically great habitat. You know, I think about the piece we were at tonight, game production area. Mm -hmm. There was grass. Diverse grass, probably supporting lots of species, um, including pheasants. Different types of grass. There were a few managed food plots in there. Different mm-hmm. types. We had uh, corn. I think there was a sunflower plot. There were tree belts. Um, you know, I'm not a biologist. Well, I guess you're not either. You've retired, but no, I'm just kidding, Tom. But you know, it. You know, from from my. Uh, you know, my bar stool biology eyes. It's like this has everything. You know, you try to think like a pheasant. Like right. this is so. That's the thing. It's and and most of what I hunt is public land, and most of it seems, in my eye, well, there's birds there, so I'm, I'm equating that to be pretty high quality habitat. Right. And I think that's the thing. Is that it's I guess the point I'm trying to make is it's not secondary habitat like public land, and that that's probably one. Of, I guess one of our motivations early on too is that. It's not second rate. If you're hunting public land, you're not down on the totem pole, you know, (laughs) it's, it's great stuff. Yeah. Sometimes the pressure's different at times of the year you get opening weekend Mm -hmm. or what, but it's as good as it gets. And it's there. In some cases you own it. In some cases, um, it's, it's access. Um, but, uh, you know, it's public access, which is a bit different, but, um, you know, you've you've got that access to it, and, and and there's been more programs that, you know, it used to just be walk-ins, right? Mm-hmm. And now there's habitat components tied to those. So habitat is that that high quality habitat is a common thread there, and um, you know, uh, I think we're trying to weave that in a bit more right. as we as we right, right. you know as this thing takes on its eighth and hopefully more iterations. Yeah. Cool.
0: Yeah, it, it is interesting. I mean, it, and we talk about it all the time, and and you know, you just see so much of this, and we call it in the office jokingly "horn, horn porn," you know, where it's like <laughs> the success is ultimately this giant trophy, right, or whatever, and it, it and it leads, it can lead to some um, unrealistic expectations. And I think it was three, maybe three years ago, or even maybe even the year before, where I was looking at your guys' stuff. And and I was just like, this is this is how we hunt. This is how we do things. And, and a successful day doesn't necessarily mean, you know, fifty pheasant flushes and, and you know three guys with nine birds. It, it, it's those other things that are tied into it. And I was just like, yeah, this is this is how we hunt. This is how I hunt. You know, when yeah, I go yeah. out. So that I mean, that's the the thing that probably caught me the most yeah. on that and. So it's cool. I mean, it, there's not a lot of that out there. So, I mean, I think that's where it sticks. Well, sticks and it's yeah. well, well done, but I mean.
4: It, yeah. And, you know, like you're talking about the horn porn, but I, I call it the grip and grins. Right. But when you go actually talk to hunters, that's the least part of why they hunt is that, that right. harvest. But we don't do a good job of showing that off. Right, right, right. You know, and so I get questions all the time from non-hunters. Well, I just see these pictures of guys holding dead stuff. Right. And that's just not my thing. And I'm like, all well, right. that's such a small part of why right. we're out here doing it. Come out with us and see the other side of it. And right. it's, this okay. is a chance where we can show a lot of that stuff. Yeah. Well. So yeah. like last year I mean, we're well, just all around
2: you the whole
4: time.
2: You can know, like go out there and just camp and sit yeah. in this war for six days. Right. We, 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 by, right. we by no means have, like, laid into the birds yet right, on right. this <laughs> trip. But I will say, like, we haven't really – we, that hasn't really like taken away from our satisfaction right. you know right. i mean yeah we're on work don't don't get me wrong but um man we took like we took a, a scenic drive from here down you know to our spot near Kennebec kind of this i guess the back road you know right. like right. through the lower Brule mm-hmm. i'd never been there just amazing just right. beautiful um you know we're all dog owners so like the dogs have all got to flush a lot of birds so far like i said they've just mostly been hens doesn't bother me they're getting their work it's just the beginning of the right. season we're going to hunt for right. 85 more days um we're we're getting to hang as a group you know right. we're all we're co-workers but we're we're all like friends too right. and so this is um you know it, it almost <laughs> i we're we're going to work our butts off this week but it has kind of a it has like that getaway feel right. a little bit um so we're we're just enjoying those those aspects but like jake was saying i mean you know I've, this is the eighth year we're doing it in the pre, you know they kind of follow a script and that is like i think a real a representation of what you know i don't want to say average that's not the right word but like that you know a typical typical yep. um that a typical upland hunter would find if they hunted on a five-day or seven-day trip and that's like and this is this like I'm cataloging the seven years here, but I'll use like last year in Montana as mm-hmm. an example, and I I suspect this week will probably follow suit, and that's that we we might have a couple days where they just bust, things don't break right, does you know doesn't mean we're totally skunked, but right. you know that's just hunting as mm-hmm. they say, and they've said it you know probably since you know Adam and Eve shook hands or whatever, and then. <laughs> And then you get a couple days that are, uh, you know, probably middle of the road. I mean, if you're trying to like rate success, and then you get a couple days that are just you hang your hat on you remember for the rest of your life. Right. And that's just how it goes. And uh, you know, so, um, and I think people can identify with that. You know that you know it seems real to them when you're when you don't have. If we would have if we would have shown them uh you know fifteen pheasants today and fifteen tomorrow, nah you know, right, like, like that might have seemed like just out of sorts, right you know, yeah. but this is this is um we're working for it right we're working very hard for it, yeah, yeah. cool, good, you should, yeah, that's why it's hunting well you're yeah. not giving up any hot spots for the rest of our trip, so we'll just we'll sli- <laughs> we'll sli- we'll slide we'll slide past that one what do, what do you guys do when you wrap your pot it's a it's it's also it's kind of my new term, a thing. But it's it's a thing to kind of wrap up podcasts with like a little like a little shtick. Do you guys do anything yet? No, I, I started out.
0: I start our podcast with a little bit of shtick that I do, and then I use some music from a band that I was in, some kids from Britain that I got permission to use their music, and then I, I would tie it all back in. Usually, I'd, I'm uh, I'm so sick of hearing my own voice that I'm just like, eh, whatever, we're done. <laughs> No, usually wrap it a lot of times we wrap it up with what's coming you know, what's coming up with East River Deer, West River Deer, or Antelope Seasons closing here pretty soon or that kind of stuff. What's your band name? The band that I'm in now is called the Side Hackers, but it should have been live bait because every gas station in town would advertise for me. But you you won't change
2: it. No, I won't change it. Now my bowling team is live bait. Now, but you know, so there's you know. been some great bands that have changed their names early on. You're you're like too far along. It's got too uh, much. It got the, the hardest thing, the
0: hardest things in the world to do is name a dog and name a band. I've gotten into more fights about those two subjects than anything. Yeah, to be like on Parks and culture. Rec where they change the name of the band every month. Right, <laughs> heavy gravy and the meat sweats is a yeah. great band name that I always thought would <laughs> should have been and should have been and could have been, but. No, we don't. We don't have any shtick. It's just me, and I'm what, finally get tired of hearing myself talk. So,
2: what? What would you, uh, if you formed a new band? Not that I'm implying that your current band is gonna like, you know, right. disband or anything, or like, uh, um, you know, like Ghost Stone Temple t- Pilots or something. Right. And just you're not, you're not into drugs or anything right. like that. No. But if you're <laughs> <Too> tired, yeah, <laughs> I work too much. But but if if you were if you're gonna just. Form a new band. What would that band name be?
0: It would probably be like Live Bait or <laughs>
2: <laughs> Live Bait is a great one.
0: I have the logo and everything. Um, we we just you know like Duck Blind or Steel Shot or something like that. I mean, uh, Huey Lewis and the Nudes would be one, but that's already kind, kind of, of taken, kind of a cover you know, band, kind of taken. Yeah, no, I don't know. It's it, seriously the hardest thing to do is is get a good dog name and get a good band name. Maybe I think that's what fights. we should end
2: on. We should just go around the table. Like, just, like, it doesn't have to, I'll say rapid fire, but it doesn't have to be, like, rapid, because you get, like, a few seconds to think about it. But, like, Mark Norton, like, like dog name, and then band name.
1: Oh, those are good. Hmm. So, the next dog name? Yeah. Or, yeah. Oh, that is going to be tough. This is going to be rapid fire, I don't right. think. Right, No.
2: well you guys are killing me i thought
1: klein
0: klein klein will be my next dog name klein will definitely all my dogs are music music names so it'd be klein and you know yeah like i always just thought like duck blind or muskrat or something like that but you know i don't know for me tommy you got anything i don't have anything for
3: a a band name but our current dog is tuca rask so i don't know what our next one's gonna be so (laughs) Hockey. Hockey. Big-time hockey. hockey player. Big-time hockey. Yeah. Yeah, Jet named that dog. Yeah, right? my son Jet named it Tukarask, so I'm not sure what the next one will be.
2: Your band name could be Tommy Kirschman and the former biologist. Former biologist,
0: that's exactly right. Mark Norton and the Farm Bills.
4: It's,
2: you know, they would be original. Would how, about, be. how about Morlock over here? Let's... Uh, you're you're gonna you're thinking you're already thinking dog. Right. I'm already thinking to... dog, and I
4: uh, always want a dog named Murphy. I don't know uh, why, Peep but I always call him Murph. Right. You know, my first dog to go on time his line was Puck. Mm-hmm. Everybody was like, "So like Shakespeare, Romeo and Juliet." Sure. And I'm like, "You don't know me if you're asking me that." <laughs> like it's about a hockey puck. Oh. Right. <laughs> so, band name? God, I don't know. Me and my buddy are always joking. When a fitting name would be. this end up but have the logo always flipped the wrong way yeah (laughs) Yeah, that'd be us that's
0: not bad that's a good cover band name yeah i like it what about you you're shooting it out i mean he's he's gonna be the chislicks now right yeah (laughs) Yeah. that actually isn't that
2: actually isn't bad you know i well (laughs) that's good i i had a buddy in high school i i think tom petty's great road music so i'm maybe i won't say a band name but i'll i'll say this that uh I tend to like band names like this and that it's cause my buddy mentioned that uh we were driving along and he said, you know, Tom Petty wouldn't be bleep without the heartbreakers. So I you you put your you put your word in there. Right. Like give that backup band a little give them a little credit. Right. Like Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Right. Like I like yeah. that. Like right. uh and the all right. And the so right. I just like band names like that. Right. I'm gonna name my next dog Soda. So I got sprig smidge and I, you know, I'm doing that thing where I just, that thing where right. you just like name them with S's, you know, it's kind of cheeky, right? Mm-hmm. but I'm just gonna, You're a you stole my name. yeah. So, well, <laughs> I guess I didn't enunciate, but if I, if I, I could name it soda, like soda pop soda with a T is, but if I name it soda with a T, it's like Minnesota, right? you know, so I, and i'll probably do whatever one jake was going to do so i just have it right. first yeah. and steal it yeah. sucker right it does going to go get a thing. dog i got a dog <laughs> to sell you right now here's the <laughs> thing we had we had two scouts in the field today it like doesn't matter right, right? you can just you name your dog what you want to name it so the, the that's guy, yeah the guys i hunt with now we have three puppies one is nona
0: lola and uh what the heck is the third one and they're all they all just come running when you yell cuz it's all so close and we just Everybody just yells and they come back. All three of them come back. So. Yeah. yeah.
2: Well, if we ever get a, you know, I don't know, maybe uh, if we do like a game fishing park slash slash PF band, we could call it Chris Hull and the Flying Ringnecks or something oh, like God. that. We'll work like on, on that. You know what? If you have a good, if you have a good band suggestion, send them in. Just send them yeah, in. Right. Yeah. yeah. You can contact us on. Oh, well, there's a million entry points: <laughs> yeah. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, <laughs> right. email. Get a hold of us. Uh, fax machine. Yeah, fax machine. <laughs> snail mail doesn't right. matter. We're gonna we're gonna go tour some some public land and publicly accessible land. What are you guys up to this week? Well, probably working. Uh, I, <laughs> I think we're gonna implying try. that we're not working. No, like, <laughs> that's fine. Like
0: for as bad as you know, for as bad as we all want to be out there, and, and just October is just. In fact, I just talked to Secretary Hepler after you guys hunted with him, and he's like, "What are you doing?" I said, "I'm at work," and he goes, "Oh, you're stacking up hours so you don't have to be in tomorrow." And I was like, "No, I'll be in tomorrow." But no, <laughs> I right. think I might, I might actually fish this week, this week sometime, and weather's really nice, idea. and the fish are going. So
3: we've got another big event this weekend. It's the annual governor's
4: pheasant hunt.
0: Governor's
2: that Feasor. is a big thing. It is mm-hmm. huge. Yep. Was that is that the kind of one that started it all? Governor's pheasant openers,
0: mm-hmm, yeah, I think Mickelson started that, that right, yeah,
2: so the rest are just kind of imitations, sure, I was just, just like- at, I was just at the Minnesota one. It was a very nice event. I've actually never been to the South Dakota one, so maybe next year i'll uh I'll weasel my way into that we, we could probably <laughs> figure figure out.
0: We'll send you we'll send you to Belfouche
2: or something. Or I just wanna to, Yeah. Top of Harney Peak. Well. <laughs> Black Elk Peak, sorry. I'll come next year if it's on my way to Lemon. Right, right Matt. Perfect. So, all right. Oh man. This has been fun. South Dakota game fishing parks it's are such. great hosts. It's a it's a great state to be in at a at a great time of year. So uh thanks for listening and uh good luck to all you hunters who yeah, are headed to South Dakota this fall. Right. Thank you, guys. Good stuff. All right. See ya.